It's the Lost Years Pod. Lost Years Pod. Running through this show called Boy Meets World is what we're doing. Sit and tell your friends who will always stand by you. It's the Lost Years Pod. Hello, and welcome to the Lost Years, a retrospective fan cast. I'm Tay. I was about to say your name. <laughs> I'm Sid, though. You're Tay. <laughs> oh, my God. Genuinely, I don't know why I was about to say your name introducing myself. That's, you know, that's fine. <laughs> Off to a great start. Off to a great a great start. Um, this yeah. is episode three of season four. Yay. <laughs> Between that natural weather uh, delaying things, mm. me being forgetful, it's been a whole day. and It has been a whole day. Now it's a uh, podcast time, so we got to be on our game now, Tay. <laughs> I have never once been on my game. <laughs> From here on out, we're doing it. Okay, God, I'm sorry. I'll focus up. What are you nostalgic for this week? <laughs> Just jump right in. Um, I'm focused. <laughs> uh, I'm nostalgic for homecoming. Oh. Something that I haven't thought about until I got an email from my college, and then I was like, oh, wait, I, I'm not nostalgic for college homecoming. I'm only nostalgic for high school homecoming. Okay. In the high school days, I missed, and to this day, miss whenever it was the big homecoming football game and the whole band, our marching band was a huge deal in high school. And maybe I've said this before, but maybe not. Like the whole field was covered with kids in marching band whenever it was the halftime show. So we had a huge band and all of the games were just always a bunch of fun. Obviously the dance and we've talked about like school dances before, but homecoming was always the first one to kick off the year. And it was still warm-ish outside because it was fall. Like sometimes it was colder, but you know, it just, it was nice. It's in the fall. Everybody loves fall. Like it's, it's a good time of year. I loved homecoming. I loved the dance. It was just great. I love that. Yeah. I wasn't allowed to go to homecoming. So. Oh, that's sad. <laughs> so uh, once again, I cannot play in the space with you. I had like a quarter of a childhood. So <laughs> sometimes it do be like that. But I support you and it looked really fun. I think uh, something worth noting, I never got asked to a homecoming dance, but my friend, my best friend, Chris and I growing up, we always said for, I think two or three years in a row, just said, we're going to do it. We're just oh, going to be nice. like each other's dates. That's really nice. And then senior year, he was dating somebody. So I couldn't do that anymore. And I was like, <laughs> oh, shoot. <laughs> Dang it. Now I got to try. <laughs> but yeah, so it was, it was just always a fun time because it was me and my friends. It was never anything serious with dates and having it be a big deal. Yeah. Uh, everybody just got dinner and went to went to go dance and all the things there was one year that my friend chris we went out to dinner i forgot about this until just now uh his chair completely buckled out from underneath him and it like broke yeah at dinner and just it was very funny because we were all just in the middle of dinner and we were like we're at a nice restaurant we have no idea what to do (laughs) wow man i would die laughing <laughs> yeah it was great we're like we gotta go we can't be here anymore i don't know what to, to do <laughs> he broke a chair flee this is a nice establishment we are juniors in high school you guys are at like an olive garden or something 
Tay, what are you nostalgic for? Um, my first D and D game. <gasps> oh, I don't think I've said this one. I'm pretty sure no. I haven't talked about this on the podcast. But I got into D and D at early 2018. I want to say after listening to the Adventure Zone. Shout out to the McElroy brothers um, and their dad. The McElroys, just all that that whole little family of boys. Um, only the brothers, only not the, Clint. Not Clint, yeah. Clint had nothing to do with it, actually. No, um, <laughs> I listened to the Adventure Zone, and I got really into D&D, and I remember a couple of my friends, um, one of my friends in particular from college, I was like, do you still play d I feel like I remember you talking about it. He was like, oh my gosh, yes. Absolutely. Let's go to the library. We'll fill out a character sheet. What have you got? Do you have ideas? Blah, blah, blah. And so um, he let me join uh, his campaign with a bunch of, uh, well, with one of my other uh, college friends and then a couple of his friends. And it was really fun. Um, we played like once every two to three weeks. And uh, my character, uh, as many first D&D characters are, was just like a mean orphan. Um, <laughs> She was a human fighter because uh, I was really, really into um, Magnus Burnside's from the uh, Adventure Zone. And I was like, I want to be a human fighter. Those are cool. Um, and so <laughs> I was just simply the most basic D&D character you could possibly be. Um, but it was really fun. And I loved her. And I was really sad when that game fell apart. <laughs> it just kind of died. Um, but yeah. Yeah. I miss D&D, &D, man. I know. Me too. Me too. What made me think of it was, well, number one, my dice are just sitting on a little, um, like, roller storage unit next to me. And I, again, I never come prepared, guys. I don't do my homework until the last minute. Um, but I was like, oh, that's a good one. And also, I'm in the process of, like, start, I guess starting. I'm not starting it myself, but, like, I am in the process of, uh, I'm in a creative production process of starting a D&D &D podcast with um, some people that I met on the internet. And uh, it's going well. I mean, albeit long, but we're still in like the, we're like in early-ish days, but we've got all of our characters um, settled down and we're, we're about to do our first like sort of test recording next week, I think. So I'm very excited to roll some bones and play pretend once again. Love that so much. Yeah. We had our first, my first D and D game that I ever played in was all virtual, mm -hmm. which I feel like is a lot of people's these days. But it was with like our brunch squad group yeah. and like the entire group. So it was a massive, I think like nine or ten people total. This is too many people to play D and D. I'm just gonna be honest. That's extremely a lot of people. Ten? Yeah, that's so many people. Eight, eight or eight to ten, somewhere in that range. I can't remember how many people were playing, but it's alive. Yeah, I played like a half elf sorcerer, and mm. I was so nervous the entire time because I kept comparing myself to every other D and D show that I was oh, into, yeah, yeah, yeah. and I was like, if I am not that good, <laughs> which is totally <laughs> not, not the way anything. to play D and D. And by the actual campaign that I was playing, it was uh, it went away after a while. But I'm gonna let you in on a secret. I <gasps> cheated, I think, in my first game, Sydney. I, uh, we were on D&D Beyond and I didn't know that you could, or you weren't supposed to change your spells in the game. Oh, yeah. And therefore, there was one finishing move that I did that it wasn't until after the game that I realized I couldn't have done that 
at all. So I like ended the game like and the final boss, but it was totally because I cheated. And I've never (laughs) said that to anybody. (laughs) Oh my God. Who ran that game? It's been almost three years since that game until this point. So I feel like it's safe now to actually. The statute of limitations is up. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But yeah. Incredible. Love (laughs) D&D. Yeah. That's not me now anymore. I don't cheat. (laughs) No. Yeah. I mean, I feel like too. You you cheated, but not intentionally. Like you didn't know the rules of D and D. I fully didn't know what was going on. Yeah, and uh, the only people that could help me, it was weird because it was all virtual, and so mm. I couldn't just like table talk and ask people. Um, so I was just sitting on my own up in Michigan, and I was like, I am clueless. I'm doing my best. <laughs> Let's play. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, listen, we, we you, do, you do what you can. I'm pro. I'm I've certainly, <laughs> I'm I've certainly fudged dice rolls. Like I've rolled characters and dropped ones that I didn't like, or like re-rolled hit die because it was too low. <laughs> Not recently. It's fine. Let Everybody's, me just say, that's all good. <laughs> but in my younger days, <laughs> certainly. So, we yeah. were young. We didn't know. We simply didn't know any better. And then I did know a little bit better. And I was like, it's fine. (laughs) Listen, if anybody from my D&D party is listening, I promise I won't do it on our podcast. Okay? I promise. If you're listening, no, you're not. (laughs) If you're listening, don't talk to me about this. Okay? Don't tell me you listen to my podcast. That's terrifying. This was just a secret that I have with the entire internet. If you're listening, this was just bits. And legally, you have to tell me that you were listening or it's entrapment. So... (laughs) I've said several different things here. Let's do the podcast. Do you want to get into it? Absolutely, I do. Yeah, season four, episode three is titled, I Ain't Gonna Spray Lettuce No More. Episode aired on October 4th, 1996. It was directed by Jeff McCracken and was written by Mark Blutman and Howard Busgang. The synopsis is, Alan quits his job at the grocery store without discussing it with Amy. In retaliation, Amy promises to make a drastic decision without consulting the rest of the family either. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It is what happens. I just think it's funny whenever the synopsis literally leads with probably what is the hook of the episode of right. like, oh shit. <laughs> I mean, in fairness, this that does happen in the first scene. Yeah. The second sentence does not. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> but they also can't just though. be like, Alan quits. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's not a terrible synopsis. I'd still give them that. I'd say three for three so far. Not as bad as the other ones back in the day, so... Yeah, we've had some pretty bad IMDb synopses. Do you remember when we didn't do those? Yeah, what were we doing? <laughs> there was like a week somewhere around season three where both me and Sid listened to like one of the shortest episodes of our podcast and we were like, wow, this is a weird, what were we doing? How were our episodes only 26 minutes? I will never understand. Literally. Like we're already halfway to that time right now. <laughs> Wild. Okay. Well, first scene, we are in the Matthews kitchen. Eric comes down the stairs asking his mom to hold him because he didn't get a job he applied for at the Gap. He's like, if anybody should be working at the Gap, it's me. I mean, look, I'm Gap. All Gap. Even when I'm in the shower, I'm Gap. If he says, you didn't put that on your application, did you? He says, no, they said I wasn't qualified. I told them a monkey could work there. Corey then comes down the stairs and says to Amy, mom, it was the weirdest thing. Last night I'm walking by the Gap. They got a monkey selling jeans. Eric says, I gave them that idea. And Corey says, well, next time you go out for a job, wear a diaper and smoke a cigar. People like that. Alan then comes downstairs as Morgan comes in from the other room and asks him for $25 for a class photo. That's not not a lot of money in the 90s. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Alan is surprised at the price and she's like, everyone else paid. The teacher said, if I don't pay today, they're gonna airbrush me out. He opens his wallet and tells her to take, she does. And then Corey's like, keep your wallet open. I got pictures too. Alan asks what grade he's in and Corey says 11th. And Alan says, we got enough of you. Amy's like, Alan, he says, fine, take, take. I'll work Sundays. Corey takes and leaves and Alan grumbles. I'll work Sundays. I'm not thrilled working there weekdays. He sighs and turns to Amy and says, I'm doing something about my job. Eric says, dad, you can't quit. I can't support this family. I am not a monkey. He then turns and leaves the kitchen. <laughs> the end of his sentence. Alan looks at him confused, starts to ask Amy and then thinks better of it and tells her that he's going to ask for a raise. She says, is that what you think will make you happy? He says, happier than I am now. And I'm not coming back into this house until I get it. He walks out the back door and we get like a wipe cut musical stinger transition to him standing outside the back door seeming kind of worried except now it's nighttime morgan asks amy why he's doing that and amy goes and opens the door you didn't get it she says alan says no i got it i walked in i said pete we gotta talk he says alan we got nothing to talk about how's five thousand dollars amy's excited well come inside sit in the nice chair he says he could have gotten more and she's like well sit in the nice chair use the nice phone call pete and ask for it he says, actually, I don't think calling Pete would make much sense. She asks why not, and he says, because I don't work there anymore. I quit. Everyone is kind of stunned into silence, and then Corey, and then to Corey, he says, would you pass the potatoes? And Corey, passing them is how we end the scene. Ooh. Ooh. Already a fun episode. I do love Eric at the beginning, just continuously being, it was the cap. Like, the way that he keeps <laughs> saying it, very good to me. I did completely forget about the fact that back in the day, pictures cost money to buy from school. Yeah. I think it's just because I got them every year and I was a child. And so I didn't have the concept right. of, oh, my parents yeah, are no paying for these. That. Which, by the way, $25? Is that what they said? Mm-hmm. 47 bucks at that time. Dang. So Yeah, a lot of money. And the fact that it's also Morgan walking in being like, I need $25 for school, please. <laughs> Is very funny because she's just small. I love in the scene the little check-in that Amy has with Alan whenever he is like, yeah, this is this is my next step. And she's like, are you sure about that? Mm-hmm. In a way, she's just always looking out for him. And yes. I do appreciate that. And the fact that he up and quits is just what a way to start the episode. I you know? know. Can we talk about the fact that Corey is currently a junior in high school now? Yeah, what was what's that jump? Because last I checked, they were in the beginning of high school, and that was only last season. <laughs> they were they were they started quote unquote eighth grade at the beginning of season three because they were Wild. seventh graders at the beginning of season two, and, and so, so somewhere now they're just like eh. yeah, somewhere in there was three years of high school. <laughs> There's no way <laughs> because Sean was only living with him for a year with uh, Turner for a year. But somewhere, like, I don't know when it became, it was, there was a lot happening. Again, this is a funny thing with us having kind of access to the entire catalog of this is all of Boy Meets World in Order. And back in the day, them being like, no, he's, he's, an, he's a junior now. They're, what are you talking about? They're just about? juniors now. Whatever. Um, and purely, I think it was only because they were growing faster than the characters were. And that was like very obvious. But it is funny to just be like, yeah, we're 11th graders now. I know we were literally 14, but now we're 17. (laughs) It's fine. So we go into the next scene. We are still in the kitchen. Eric says, you quit your job. Corey's like, we're going to be poor. Alan says, we are not going to be poor. Amy says, Alan, how could you quit your job without even discussing it with me? He says, we're discussing it now. She says, oh, so no decision was actually made. He says, no, a decision was made. And now it's time for the very important discussion that follows the making of the decision. 
She says, if we had discussed it before, I might have gently pointed out that we have children to feed and bills to pay. Corey, now looking out the back door, sadly says, bye-bye car. Alan replies, Amy, I would never put this family at risk. We have a little money saved up, and one day I hope to go into business for myself. That way Eric can come work for me. Eric says, hey, you hear that? I'm going to be responsible for the well-being of this family. Corey then says, bye-bye house. And does like a little sad wave. Alan continues, so see, Amy, nothing to worry about. I made a good decision. Amy says, fine, I made one too. Alan's like, well, what decision did you make? Amy says, well, if you're allowed to make a unilateral decision about something which affects this entire family, then so am I. He says, well, what decision are you going to make? She says, I don't know yet, but one day I will make a decision which affects this entire family because you did. And our relationship is an equal partnership, isn't it? He says, yes. And I want to point out that the caption says in brackets suspiciously, which I just thought was funny. She says, but don't you worry, because I'll talk it over with you afterwards. She gets up from the table and that is the end of the scene. Oh, boy. Again, conflict. We love I know. We love the drama. Corey having the sad little, we're going to be poor right at the beginning was something that caught me off guard a bit. It's funny, but without going too much into detail, something similar to this happened in my family when I was young and I did not know what it meant whenever my dad just decided to do his own thing like I never thought we're not gonna have money so the fact that Corey (laughs) did as an 11th grader again like same age that I was I was like wow "Uh, wow, what (laughs) (laughs) I I just never would have thought he apparently knows way much more than I do that's interesting for sure right I was like oh the parallels of my life (laughs) because I was (laughs) this is about I was in high school (laughs) I think that this is also interesting because they have Alan pretty much as like the sole breadwinner from here is what it seems. And I yes. was just thinking, Amy used to have a job, didn't she? Did she did used to have a job. Yeah. And like a they couple They quietly of jobs. took her job away. I don't know. She had two jobs though. She was like a real estate agent and an art dealer, remember? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. She was a real estate agent originally and then they made her, they changed it and made her an art dealer. But she still was sort of a homemaker. So it seemed like she did both of those jobs like on the side. Uh, I guess, but it's just funny because in this way, they're like, what about the money? And I'm like, I thought Amy worked. (laughs) Nope, (laughs) not anymore. (laughs) Everything's changing now. We got different grades, different lives completely. I think it is good that Amy kind of, in a loving way, kind of threw it right back in his face of like, oh, this is annoying, isn't it? And what I will say, I think this entire scenario is back to our favorite thing with gray areas about lessons because... I think it is totally valid. He has been having these problems with his job and feeling extremely unfulfilled for multiple episodes now. Since season one. Yeah. I mean, it's always been a topic. It's always come up with him. And so he finally took a stand and did it. But where I kind of get Amy's frustration completely or just like confusion with it is it's not just him that is getting out of a bad situation. Mm -hmm. It's like you are at this point, you have five people total that are going to be impacted by it and so they're both right but it's also just not the best way to do it because now it's one of the biggest issues in their family certainly and it was not brought to anybody's attention before which is like hey why didn't you communicate that that you were actually going to do it because the way that you made it seem was like hey actually we're going to be better off than we were before yeah And yeah, it's just a bummer. Yeah, I think it's interesting how when Amy is talking about like at the beginning when she's like, is this a thing that's going to make you happy asking for this money? He's like, it's better than nothing. And then he goes in, tries to do the thing and is actually like, no, this isn't what I want. I want to quit this job because I hate it. 
I don't ever think that, I, I think it's very clear, right? That Amy's never actually mad about him quitting his job. Right. She's mad about the fact that she didn't talk to him about it. And also that she made this, he made this decision for everybody instead of like having a plan. Yeah. And just pretty much alone. Yeah. So I don't know. I mean, that plays out really interestingly, right? Because Amy's, again, like she's being such a good wife right now. Like she's trying to be supportive while also being like, hey, this is, this is like, you can't just do stuff without talking to me. And also we are in an equal partnership. Like, do you understand why this might make me upset? And I feel like Alan gets it, but I don't know. And the fact that she is also still willing, like rather than kind of blowing up at him or like getting mad and then storming off or doing something, she's like actually talking through it and continues throughout this episode is just talking through it again and not like letting him just be on his own. And that is also really key. (laughs) A good relationship. Yeah, there's a lot of love in this relationship. It's very clear. And I love the way they portray that. It's really, really, it's well done, guys. It's a good one. Well done. (laughs) (laughs) Well done. Uh, So the next scene we are at school, Corey is finishing telling Sean the whole debacle. And Sean's like, wow. And to think you were my only rich friend. Corey corrects him, comfortable, never rich. Sean says, indoor (laughs) plumbing, rich. Corey says, well, whatever we were, we're not anymore. I never realized how easy I had it. (laughs) Sorry. That's so stupid. Sean's like, you had it easy, all right? You with your breakfast in the morning, your lunches in the afternoon, your dinners at night. Eaters. (laughs) Eaters. <laughs> you're eaters. Corey says, Sean, they put the food in front of me. Sean goes, that's all right. You're my friend. I'm going to teach you how to be bored, but it's not going to be easy. You come from a world of many pants. Corey says, they put the pants in front of me. Now, don't turn your back on me. Sean's like, okay, you sound sincere, but let me ask you something. When was the last time you slept inside? Corey says, last night. And Sean's like, I can't work with you and walks away from him. <laughs> We cut over to Eric greeting, quote unquote, students in the hallway who are basically completely ignoring him. He sees Feeney and asks, how's it going by and by? Feeney says, fine, by and by. He asks Eric how it feels to be back at school. And Eric's like, they miss me, don't they? Feeney says, yes, we've brought in a crisis counselor to help the students deal with the loss. (laughs) Eric says, I think that's a great way to begin the healing process. Feeney gives him a look and he's like, oh, you weren't serious. And Feeney says, I take it you're here to set up a tutoring schedule. Eric says, I was, but now I really don't think tutoring is going to be necessary for me. Feeney's like, now, Eric, I thought we agreed that colleges look favorably upon students who acknowledge their scholastic shortcomings and try to rectify them. Eric says, uh, whatever. But, you know, my dad has decided to start a family business and has generously offered me a position within the firm. So as you can see, my future is assured. Feeney asks what kind of business it is. And Eric's like, uh, but explains that it doesn't matter because this weekend they're going to a be your own boss extravaganza at the airport comfort inn. Feeney says stoically where dreams are born. And that is the end of the scene. (laughs) Oh, man. I love Corey. Again, this is another thing with Corey understanding like money and just family life. Whenever he's like comfortable, never rich. I was like, who are you? (laughs) Why do you know? (laughs) I didn't know what the difference was when I was in 11th grade. Um, And there are like a couple lines throughout this whole interaction between Sean and Corey that uh, stood out to me. One of them being, you come from a world of many pants. And why it is funny (laughs) to me is that it's also just extremely ironic because Sean is always seeming to be the one that has a different outfit every single episode. And yet Corey's typically stay the same. And I was like, I get your point, but you're also wrong. (laughs) (laughs) The other one is the fact throughout this whenever he's asking like you've had this thing and I have not the one where he says if you're sleeping outside I was like 
is that implying that he is now sleeping outside? Like regularly sleeping outside. Which makes it so much worse because I know that he made the decision to be with his dad and like that is what he's wanted. But throughout this entire conversation, whenever he says, you get meals, you're not sleeping outside, you're not doing this, like you have indoor plumbing. I was like, Sean, you're being neglected, my boy. (laughs) You had you had a good life at Turner's and now it's I sad again. He wanted to be with his daddy. He just wants to be with his dad. It is really weird too because they're playing so much of it as a joke, and it's like, okay, but if we look at this, it's this is heartbreaking. Not good. <laughs> <laughs> like it's it's actually very bad. The um, boy needs help, actually. <laughs> yeah, I I really want Sean to have regular meals and like like. Truthfully, that's not an an uncommon problem for most of Americans. And because thinking back to the episodes that he was at Turner's house and he knew what the meals he was cooking were makes it so much more sad to me. Like whenever there was the one quote, I think from season three, when he was like, ah, you're making chicken a la tang. Like that whole thing. He knew. He had a life. (laughs) He had a life. (laughs) so sad. The only other thing that I have about this scene is with Eric and it's very much whenever he walks in the I've been graduated for a couple months mentality where you just walk in and act like you own the place you because yeah. you were a student there once and I also know because I did the same exact thing oh, with my yeah, choir class and like just appearing and being like I am better than you which is yeah. terrible <laughs> because you're not that much older and no, it's nothing months. else has happened in your life <laughs> Yeah, I remember there were a couple of times in college where I went home like early for the weekend because I didn't have classes on Friday or something. And I went to school to visit some of my teachers and I would just like come in during like a a passing period so that people wouldn't like (laughs) notice me. But I would still go and say hi to like all of my old teachers. And they'd be like, what are you doing here? And I'm like, I'm just hanging out. You know, I just came to say hi. I just wanted to see you. Go away. They're like, cool. How how are things? How's college? Yeah, I with my choir classes, but also then whenever I went to go watch the school musical again, mm. that was such a big deal because I was like, I did all of this. Yeah, like, I did this for four years. Where are you all at? And it doesn't matter. It simply doesn't matter. Um. So the next scene, we are at the boss extravaganza. I'm going to kind of speed through that. I said I speed through us at the beginning of my notes and then I have like a shit ton of notes. So, you know, um, they're at what is essentially a job fair, but it's like half pyramid schemes. One guy tries to get them in on a dog poop air freshener. He calls poopery. Eric is very much bought in by the fast talking guy, but eventually Alan pulls him away and says that there are many opportunities. I'm sure we'll find exactly what's right for us. Hard cut to them and Amy in the kitchen with a table covered in and Eric holding a pastry in each hand. As Amy says, you want to open an Ogner's house of strudel? Eric starts explaining the strudel deal and Corey nearby says, so now my future depends on a Bavarian named Ogner. Sean warned me about this. In what way could he have warned you? Amy says, Alan, tell me you're not buying into the strudel idea. Alan's like, no, actually, this was my first choice and hands her a pamphlet for Rapid Mart, a convenience store. He says it makes perfect sense for him because it's a business he already knows. She says it's a business you already hate. He says, I hated working for somebody else. I'd run my own store, do it my way. She says, you're still selling lettuce. Alan, you know this isn't what you want. He's like, I can't seem to win with you. You wanted to be included in the decision, so I include you. And now you're trying to talk me out of something I kind of, sort of, maybe want to do. She says, well, gee, with that kind of passion, who am I to stand in your way? Eric tries to pitch strudel again, and, and Alan goes, Eric, no strudel. 
Eric goes, fine, you're out. And Alan says, nap time. And Eric goes, yeah, you're right. And leaves the kitchen. It's presumably night. I don't know. Alan tells Amy that he looked at all the possible opportunities and that this is what he wants to do because it makes the most sense. Amy says, this isn't about what makes sense. This is about spending the rest of your life doing what you want to do. He says, I want to run my own store. I want you to be happy for me. Now, are you behind me on this or not? She says, no. And he replies, fine. Thank you for your support. He heads out the back door and that is the end of the scene. Oh, man. Okay, so at this expo, I know we kind of breeze through it. Poopery is a real business that exists now. I don't, this is where this is fun. This is my fun trivia fact of the episode. So Poopery came out in 2007, right? It's a little over 10 years since this one, but it's different because it comes in a little bottle. I actually have one. My my grandma has this. (laughs) Yes. And it's just, it's not for pets like this business uh, pitches it as, but it is a real thing. And I think it's hilarious because it is masking the smell. And you spray it in your toilet, right? Yes. And essentially, it's great for like workplaces when like you Mm -hmm. have to use the restroom and you don't want people to know. And if you're on a plane (laughs) and like all of these things, right? So it's also not, the salesman said it was like a $40 billion corporation or could be. Um, The revenue through 2020 was about 80 million though, which is not too shitty if you ask me. Ha ha ha. (laughs) I'm done. Podcast over. I'm leaving. How dare you? Okay. And so then the founder of this company is 58. Uh, Her net worth is about 215 million now. So again, not doing bad. But because she's 58, I was realizing she was 32 when this episode of Boy Meets World came out, which she could have gotten the idea from. And that I thought was hilarious. (laughs) Oh my God. We should write to her. We should do that. The fact that the Matthews men were like, no one's why would no people go with that idea it. right a lot of people did they were wrong Man, that's so funny so that's my my fun little fact that's a great fact when it goes to the kitchen scene eric bought so much strudel <laughs> yeah why did he buy the strudel or maybe he didn't but in which case then why would they just be giving all of that away so he, he 100 like percent bought it it was a full table of strudel and he had two in his hands yeah it's too much so that was just ridiculous that was such pyramid scheme bullshit that i was like no yeah eric, <laughs> don't the rest of the scene though i i felt bad for alan because i know that like he doesn't want to go backwards but that's essentially what he's doing by picking that job Mm because it's just moving over to a different company and whenever he said the thing about i can't seem to win with you i was like no bud you straight up quit your job without telling your wife and now she's trying to help you out and i i know that you're gonna see that one day but in this moment i'm it's like no i just kind of want to go through the screen and slap you for a sec yeah he's lashing out a little bit feeling defensive i love amy still being the voice of reason here and like sticking to her guns with this because this is something that again affects all of them um, and it would just be definitely something if she just kind of folded and said, all right, just do whatever. Um, but she is trying to help him out. And what he also doesn't see is he went to a job fair and that's not every job, you know, it was just yeah. whatever was presented to him. And so he went with the thing that felt the most comfortable because he'd been doing that for an absurd amount of time <laughs> before. So. 30 years almost. Yeah. So I really felt for him, but I was like, oh, you're saying such wrong things here. Um, and I just love that Amy's still being loving and supportive of him. She's doing it the right way. I feel like she's, she's, yeah, she doesn't want him to do something just because it's comfortable. She wants him to 
find something that is going to make him happy because he spent so many years in this grocery business being unhappy. And he is certainly scared because it is absolutely terrifying to quit your job with no plan. Like I could never um, for a Mm -hmm. lot of reasons. And so I don't, I fully understand his like, I know that I can do this. And so it's the thing that I feel like I should do because it makes the most sense. But like at this moment, she's like, no, you don't want to do that. You hate that. Like, why would I, why would I support you doing something else that you already don't like that? You know, you don't like, right. We get more, we get more now. I'm going to do the next scene now. We're in the backyard. Amy walks out to see Alan filling with a sleeping bag. And she says, one little disagreement and you're walking out on me. He says, and I'm taking Eric. He essentially tells her he's going to go camping to clear his head. I got to try and figure out what to do with the rest of my life. She says, you know, I would never stand in the way of something I thought you really wanted to do. He says, I know that, but this isn't about what I want to do. This is about my responsibility to this family. And I just, I just feel so helpless. She tells him that he feels helpless because he's stuck. It's all right to take a risk. I can't support this convenience store idea because I know you won't be happy and I can only support your happiness. They look at each other kind of solemnly and that is the end of the scene. Oh, I love that Amy was the one that left in the last scene and then she still goes back. Like this is my thing about she never just like leaves him to himself, you know, like she is always still trying to be like loving and supportive and like going to see how he's doing and uh, even making a joke about it of like, you're going to leave now. <laughs> but I mean, as always, go in nature and just find yourself, baby. <laughs> They're doing exactly what it's it's it works, yeah. you know? Yeah. I know that this is a short scene. I, I just still continue to feel for him because it's just extremely difficult being the breadwinner of the family and then having to deal with all of that. So, yeah, we still get more of it. <laughs> we see it. Yeah, yeah. She's being a very good wife. And I just want to like... Shout out to Amy and shout out to both William and Betsy because they are doing wonderful jobs. Like it's very rare that we see the parents carry an episode Mm -hmm. and like they are very much the A storyline in this episode. And so it's very fun to like see the way that they are doing this lesson more or less. Yeah. Because it's it's not more lesson. You have to go. (laughs) (laughs) Goodbye, everybody. Please. And we can't keep doing this. I could do this all day. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> um, no, so it's it's very fun to to watch them sort of be because this is very much not aimed towards teens and children, right? In the same way that like yeah. Corey's storylines are. Um, and so I think it's it's very fun. It's very fun and good writing. And I, I love the ways that the writers make this a show for the family and not just for kids. Yeah, that's a good point. I didn't even think about that. Man, I love that. Oh, I love the intentionality. <laughs> right? <laughs> okay, so the next scene, we are at a science research building. <laughs> I I normally, every scene, I don't go like scene one, whatever. Mm-hmm. It's like, I just have the location of wherever it is yeah, so yeah. I know what it's talking about. And I did have to put in all caps with this one, science research That's building, all because I was like, says. that is ridiculous. <laughs> like, what kind of science? What kind of research? <laughs> Just the generic science research building is literally where they're at. Uh, Corey, Sean, and Topanga are at this facility to test some new shampoo for money. Topanga thinks it's ridiculous and says that she'll lend Corey money if
if he needs it that bad. Corey looks at Sean and then goes, well, Sean says I've got to learn to provide for myself. She tells him to get a real job. And he looks at Sean again and then says, well, Sean says I'm in no position to pay taxes right now. Sean's like, these guys don't even want to know our real names. Devenga calls them lunatics and Corey goes, yeah, well, we'll see what you think after we get our hundred bucks. She's like, just for testing a new shampoo? He says, yep. And then he turns and whispers to Sean, you sure there's nothing to worry about? Sean replies, worry? Corey, it's shampoo. They only test it on humans so they can say they don't test it on animals. <laughs> Just then, a man in a full hazmat suit holding a beaker of green liquid with tongs walks slowly into the room. The beaker slips and shatters on the floor. An alarm starts to blare. They all look down at it. And then the man and the researchers in the observation room behind the boys all flee as liquid bubbles and seams on the floor. Corey and Sean looking worried is how we end the scene. It's very silly. This entire B plot with Corey and Sean is ridiculous. Yes. And I couldn't tell them like, is it funny or is it just here? <laughs> like, is it just filler? Because some parts of it, I think, but I'm like, as a whole, do I like the B plot or is it just, again, because they're like, we have a really serious thing. Right. We do have to be a little silly here and there. But yeah, immediately with the name of the building again, I know we said it, but that was just hilarious. <laughs> a great sign of complete safety and security when a person walks in with a full hazmat suit. Yeah. And you're just in the room. You know, <laughs> that's <legit>. normal. <laughs> I worry, again, for Sean, if he just knows of these things and does these things, and this is his life, apparently. Right. Why does he know about this place? Great question. Who the heck knows? They're not paying taxes on it. They're just getting some, like, under-the-desk kind of money for it, and that's... (laughs) I worry for him. (laughs) I mean, product testing is not, like, generally that, but, like, I do stuff like this that are, like, focus groups, or you go in and you, like, taste a a food and see if you can tell the difference between, like, two or whatever. I did one with gum one time, but it's, like, this is wild like there's no this is dangerous it's dangerous there's a world in which there would be a thing of steaming green liquid that is supposed to be a shampoo that everyone's afraid to touch and also because again they're juniors in high school yeah and they're just like yeah we'll just test it on these boys yeah you definitely can't do that stuff underage without a parent's permission (laughs) so the 90s man wild You could do whatever you wanted in the 90s. (laughs) That's true. (laughs) Ask anyone from the 90s. You can do whatever you want back back then. (laughs) Oh, man. Um, I think now we're going to take a quick break, but we'll be right back with I ain't going to spray lettuce no more. (laughs) Hello, everybody. It's Sid. Welcome to the mid-roll, the spot where we do announcements, featured ads, and anything else that we want to talk about. First things first, if you like our show and any of the others on the network, please consider backing us at patreon.com slash the scavengers network. For just $2 a month, you can get access to hours and hours of bonus content and every donation helps support us and the network. So what are you waiting for? Go do it. It's patreon.com slash the scavengers network. Our second announcement, we also have some cool merch available. Uh, We have our sweet little idiot dad hat. Uh, It looks very fashionable. I don't know why you wouldn't want it. Uh, but it is found on the Scavnet store. Uh, you can get there on scavengersnetwork.com slash shop. Uh, if you scroll down a little bit, you'll see the Lost Years. And you click on it, you get all of our merch. And we're going to be adding some new ones soon. So, you know, bookmark it. Stay tuned. But for now, buy yourself a dad hat. Who doesn't love a dad hat? <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, I'm going to get some water. And so should you. 
And yeah, let's just get back to the episode. Hey, Eli, do you want to help me make an improvised fantasy adventure podcast? Hey, Ty, that sounds fun. Do we want to bring in all of our friends to play with us? Nope, just you. Okay, will I be on the whole time? Actually, no, you'll be on for three to six episodes, and then we'll bring on another guest. Okay, is one of us going to be the main character? Nope, you're all just going to be side characters in a larger story. Okay, but this podcast is going to be hard to find, right? Nope, just look up Side Character Quest on whatever podcast app you like, or just go to sidecharacterquest.com. Okay, but you promise not to kill my character, right? No promises. Uh, oh no. <laughs> and we're back in the backyard. Eric and Alan return from their trip in high spirits to Feeny in his backyard, who asks if they bagged any trophies. Alan proudly boasts that Eric caught a fish, and Eric's like, Dad, but Alan wants him to show Feeny, so he pulls out a small fish in a jar, and Feeny jokes about how he must have put up a fight as Amy comes out to greet them. She says he seems refreshed uh, and asks if sleeping under the stars pointed him to a new career. Alan says, well, I don't know what I'm going to do for the rest of my life, but nothing could give me half the satisfaction of waking up next to that beautiful cedar lake. Feeny agrees that it's exhilarating. Shame you can't capture it somehow and keep it on your desk. Hmm? Alan agrees and then says to Amy, the only thing wrong was that she wasn't there and wants to go back next weekend. Feeny suggests for the sake of communal bliss, they get a two-person sleeping bag currently on sale at Kimball's. <laughs> this is so wild. Alan's like, George, you rascal. How do you know about those? He says, I go camping. I don't fish. You do the math. The audience whoops and Eric laughs and pats George on the shoulder. George, oh my God, I called him George in my notes. That's so weird. My disrespect. Oh, no. He pats Feeny on the shoulder and continues. Anyway, I was down there this morning having a talk with my old friend, Ed Kimball, who's having some kind of sale. Why don't you pop over there and tell Ed I sent you? Alan says, I know Kimball's. It's one of my favorite stores. And Corey comes out and asks for an update on their current situation. Alan says, actually, yes, there is. This weekend, we're going up to the mountains. We're going to sleep on the ground. Corey's... <laughs> Corey's face falls and he says, oh, we've lost everything and goes back into the house. And that is how we end the scene. Oh, I just love how much they love camping. As I somebody know. else who loves camping, it's so good. <laughs> There's a moment, and if you didn't say this, uh, or if you did say this, I'm sorry for uh, rehashing, but whenever oh. he has the little fish that's in a jar and Feeny just goes, oh boy. There's a way that Will laughs in the background that sounded like it was totally like an improv thing, like how Bill Daniels had said it that just actually made him laugh because oh, it was just oddly too loud for, <laughs> or like it didn't seem like he should be laughing. Like the yeah. audience laughed with it, but yeah, because he goes like, oh boy. <laughs> <laughs> and it's really good, but it, it made me laugh and it was really sweet. But yeah, like Feeny, you dog, whenever he's, you do the math. I was like, what? Excuse what? Me? <laughs> um, I mean, they're all adults there to an extent. Like, Eric is new to it. Technically an adult, yeah. Very fun. But the way that Feeny is speaking right now about the, you should go down to the store. I was like, it seems like you have a plan. Like, that (laughs) was the way that I heard it the first time. Yeah. So who's to say? (laughs) Oh, who's to say if he has a plan? Real quick, we have a filler scene here at Chubby's. Corey is about to eagerly eat a burger when Sean comes in and repeatedly asks what he's doing as Corey tries to dodge the question. Eventually, he relents and cries, I'm eating meat. Sean says, you disgust me. And Corey cries, but I like meat. It's my parents' fault. They raised me. They gave me an allowance. 
Sean's like, Corey, Corey, there's no shame. There's two types of people in this world. People like you who always manage to get by and people like me that are lucky enough to have people like you in their life. Corey thanks him and offers him half and Sean says, it's how the poor survive. They cheers their half of burgers and eat and that is the end of that scene. Wild. Uh, just a silly B-plot here. The way that Ben is acting throughout this entire scene, though, is perfect to me whenever he does the eating <laughs> me. Yeah, it's extremely good. And it's just a quick little end of the scene, but their little cheers of their sandwiches was really cute. It's adorable. <laughs> They're very fun and cute together. Um, so the next scene, we are at Kimball's. The whole family is in the store looking around at stuff. Alan introduces himself to Ed Kimball as a friend of Feeney's, and Kimball says, I sure enjoy our little chats. Just wish he'd buy something once in a while. This man has such a gruff, deep voice. And he's like very, he's playing like kindly old grandpa, but also like stern, grumpy business guy. It's so weird. I I love it. I'm just like, how did you do this, man? I think it's just his voice. The kids keep looking around and noticing stuff, kayaks, tents. Alan tells Kimball that he's got all the best toys. And Kimball goes over to the desk to grab a catalog to show him. But before he does, Amy thanks him for indulging Alan. He really loves your store. He says, I can see that. And your kids do too. She says, it's wonderful. And asks how long he's had it. Kimball says, it's been in the family for about 47 years. I was going to leave it to my son. Only I had a daughter. She married an orthodontist and moved to Palm Beach. Amy asks what he's going (laughs) to do with it. And he says he's got it up for sale. I want to spend some time with my grandkids in the South. You know, I was just mentioning this to Feeney the other day. Amy says, yeah, he mentioned you were having a sale. <laughs> Sid. Oh, uh, she just did like a little, you can't see her. I can see her. It's fine. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> she looks over at Alan and then turns back to Kimball and says, I know it's none of my business, but did you make a good living from this place? He says, well, some years are better than others. But let me tell you, if looking forward to coming to work every day is any indication that I've done very well. She asks if he has buyers lined up and he says a few nibbles, but this has always been a family business and I want to keep it a family business, even if it's not my family anymore. She looks back at Alan and the kids and we get a bit of them comparing two identical lanterns. They agree to get it and then walk over to Amy as Alan says, we better get out of here before we buy up the whole store. She says, I already did. And Alan says to Kimball, looks like my whole family likes your store. Kimball replies, oh, it's not my store anymore. Alan's like, what? And Kimball says, your wife just bought it. Alan chuckles again, confused, like, what? And Amy says, well, the man's store was up for sale, so I bought it. Alan's like, you can't just do that. And Corey asks, can she do that? Kimball says she just did. And then to Alan, hey, listen, I'm a reasonable man. We came to terms. Alan pulls Amy aside and says, look, I understand what you're trying to do, but you can't. And she cuts him off with, I can't what? You owe me a big decision, buddy. One that affects this whole family. Well, you're standing in it. We get excited reaction shots of like Eric and Morgan and Corey as he says to Kimball, so this is all my beef jerky and picks up a big plastic tub. Eric says, dad, how great is this? I'm going to be working for you. Amy says, I'm glad you feel that way, Eric, because we're going to have to tap into your college fund for the down payment. Eric says, hey, dad, how great is this? You're going to be working for me. Amy says, how about if you're partners? Eric says, even greater. Alan says, Amy, I don't know about this. She asks, what's not to know? What are you afraid? You're going to be happy? Alan kind of stunned, just asks, it's okay. I mean, it's okay to do this. And Amy says, Alan, we give you permission to take a risk. Now you look around and if you can tell me from your heart that none of this is going to make you happy, then we can walk out that door and we will discuss something else. He thinks a little more and says, no, no, I believe the deal was that I don't get to discuss your decision, right? She beams at him and says, right. He thanks her, they kiss, and then to Kimball and the kids, he says, well, you heard the lady wrap it up. Everyone hugs and celebrates, and Alan shakes Kimball's hand, and that's the end of the episode proper. They have a store. They have a store. 
That's so cute. Oh, I love it. I love this scene a lot, actually. It's great. Starting off by the fact that Alan introduced them to Kimball as a friend of George Feeney's. I was like, oh, you're friends? That's so nice. <laughs> um, I love throughout this entire scene how heavily invested the entire Matthews family is in all of the camping equipment and the gear. Mm-hmm. Kind of really sets it up as, hey, this is actually something they all really care about. Yeah. Without directly coming out and just saying it because we know that alan does but right you know not everybody but yeah the fact when this guy kimball is just so nice and he's just trying to figure out what to do with it and he's like yeah i'm selling it and amy's like having a sale i was like oh oh here's your big decision (laughs) (laughs) and i really loved that kimball's but this man was like i would love to keep it in the family even if it's not my family anymore because that was just like oh and here, look at all of them. <laughs> look at how into it they are. They all I love, love this. It. <laughs> I love that Amy made this decision. I love that this was her gotcha, not gotcha moment, but kind of like, yep, I did it. Yeah. Because she can do it. This They agreed about this at the beginning. And the fact that she, the entire time, still had his best interest in heart because mm-hmm. she knew how happy and like excited he was about just even being here and yeah. like, he knows it really well. He's been camping a lot. Like he totally understands the industry, even though he hasn't worked in it. Like he's just, he's an enthusiast, which makes it the best type of work situation when you actually enjoy what you're doing. Yeah. And I just let, it's like, we give you permission to take a risk. Like it's just the, both of them are just, it's so good. (laughs) It's really, really lovely that Alan made his decision And it was a little bit bred from selfishness, right? Like he wasn't happy, so he quit his job. And Amy made her decision and it was completely selfless and about Alan and making him happy. And like in some ways, I guess, like also providing for the family, but like she knew that if if she only cared about that, right? She would have let him do the convenience store, but she cared about him being happy. And so she made this big decision for him because she knew it was something that he would want and that would make him happy. And I just think that's beautiful. It's just a wonderful and loving relationship. They are just so lovely together. They are. They're very sweet. Oh. And now they own a store. And now they own a store. And this store is not a one-off. They have this store. It's like a thing. I love it. Yeah. It made me think whatever you just said, like, they have this store. I was thinking that, like, this can't be just for nothing because they built a whole goddamn set like they it did is build a set the for most it. intricate set that it looks exactly like a camping store would yeah, yeah. so i was like please don't just be done with this after <laughs> after Imagine. a little bit because it's it's very good no yeah anyway, this is their story. sorry about that no you're fine <laughs> okay so the end credits so we're at the store in the end credits kimball is showing alan and eric the finances as feeney comes in Alan welcomes him to their new shop, and Feeney says, really? Oh, congratulations, Alan. Do you mind if I browse a bit? Alan says, of course. Pick something out. You'll be our first sale. Kimball from the desk grumbles, not likely, and Feeney picks up a pair of socks and says, $18 for socks? Come on, man. Kimball says, they are thermal, they are double-layered, and they are fully moisture-proof. Feeney rebuts, they're $18, and they're socks. I'm a teacher, not a heart surgeon. Eric comes around the counter and says to Feeney, why don't I show you some snowshoes? Feeney asks why he'd be interested in snowshoes, and Eric whispers, there are no snowshoes. He pulls him aside and says, I'm an idiot. I don't know anything about numbers or accounts. I'm going to bring this whole store crashing down, and we're going to end up living in a box in the park. Feeney says, well, there are some socks over there that would keep you quite warm. 
Eric asked me need to tutor him. I got to learn how to run a business here. Vinny says, Eric, you need a complete education. And that's more than learning how to do the books. Eric's like, you want me to go to college, don't you? Vinny says, I want you to realize that at any given time in your life, you'll be expected to know something. Today, it was accountancy, but who knows what it'll be tomorrow? I want you to be prepared. Eric asks, will, will you prepare me? Vini relents, all right, meet me at school and we'll work out a schedule. Eric thanks him and then Vini says louder, I think I will buy that pair of socks. Kibble says, oh sure, wait till I sell the store, then you buy something. Eric takes <laughs> some cash from Vini and says, Alan, here it is, dad, our first sale. They tape a dollar to the side of the cash register, shake hands, and that is the end of the episode in full. It's so good. It's cute. I love just at the beginning where Kimball is teaching them accounting because, oh, my God, you can't learn accounting in one day. Oh, certainly not. That just cracked me up. I was in an accounting class for a full semester of college, and I still don't understand and it. And it's so... paper. Right. You're doing actual paper math. Terrifying. Horrible. Whenever, this is my other trivia fact for the episode. I used to just do the trivia at the end of the episode, but I like kind of peppering it in whenever they uh, yeah. actually appear because we talk about it. For sure. Um, whenever Feeney says, they're 18 and they're socks. I'm a teacher, not a heart surgeon. He was, though, back in the show St. Elsewhere. You're right. Guess what else? What? William Russ, who played Alan, was his patient. Whoa. <laughs> the layers. There's My mind's exploding. <laughs> um, but yeah, that was in 1982. So that was wow. a long time ago uh, in comparison to this. But Bill Daniels did, in fact, play a heart surgeon. So that line is really just... They wrote him for it. They wrote that for him. I also love the relationship that Kimball and Feeney have because they are just friends. And clearly, he's just never bought something from him. And I just love that. It's like, how did you maintain that friendship? He (laughs) just comes in the store, talks to him, and then leaves, I guess. (laughs) And the fact that Kimball was never like, get out. Like, you're not going to do anything. (laughs) I love that Feeney is also still willing to teach Eric um Mm -hmm. just after graduating it's just really sweet and besties yeah it's it's just nice because like I love their relationship in high school whenever he was there and so Mm -hmm. it's fun that it just it didn't stop whenever he left you know and now it's growing and I love the line that he does say about the I want you to realize that in any given point in your life you're expected to know something because I know that like workplaces often like to say like you need to continue your education but it's just important in life to just continue learning and yeah it's important i like just watching youtube videos of things too and just learning how to do stuff because i'm like i don't know <laughs> show me how to knit this thing <laughs> yeah for like, sure how would i know i don't know <laughs> it's so weird to just in general like learn a new skill mm-hmm. it's like you could constantly be learning like i learned vaguely how to play no i'm not i'm not gonna downplay this i learned how to play the ukulele during quarantine there you and go. now I have a new skill I can play some chords on the ukulele but then like you have a stream where you're just playing the uke the entire night and then you can yeah. just play and sing and and anytime I want to sing a song to music I can look up the ukulele chords and play it there you go that is a skill that I have now that's exciting it's cool to learn stuff yeah learn how to cook learn how to bake learn how to yeah. I learned how to bake bread Everybody learned how to bake bread in the pandemic, and I honestly think that that was such a good thing. It was <laughs> for really everybody. cool. Everybody was talking about it, and it became a joke after a minute of like, I made bread, but I also, bread. I made bread. Damn I it. ma- <laughs> it's hard. Oh my God. I had a roommate who made bread regularly, and uh, I doubt she listens to this podcast. My bread looked better than hers. When I figured out how Whoa. to make it, my bread looked better than hers. 
honesty hour. I'm sorry. <laughs> I, this is not a dig at her, but like I always, I was always like, oh man, everybody has their life so together. But like I, I learned how to make bread, and I made bread better than she did, and I have that in my heart forever. <laughs> <laughs> she definitely doesn't listen to my podcast. It's fine. It's so important too. Whenever you don't succeed on the first try of something, to just keep doing it. Yeah. Because I made bread the first time like solo whenever I was back home, and it was bad. And then yeah. when I made it another time after, I just kind of tweaked some things, and mm-hmm. it turned out way better. But yeah, I just keep learning. <laughs> I found I found, just to talk more about bread because really bread baking is so hard. <laughs> Like it's like science because it's like the yeast and the temperature and having to be able to like knead it, but not over knead it, not add too much flour, not add like too little. Like there's so many little things that come with bread baking. I found this one person um, who's like a baker and I found his tutorial and I made so many, I did so many different bread tutorials that like were not helpful. And when I found his video, I was like, oh, I know how to make bread now. And it just, it was immediately good. And I was like, wow this is magic and it's very fun to just like learn something and get better at it can you believe how much bread is made every day yeah (laughs) like knowing knowing how hard it is to make bread and then thinking about how you can just go and get any type of bread yeah (laughs) his face is like deeply terrified for a second (laughs) there is a lot of yeah and find so much bread in one store. Yeah. Are you going to cry? <laughs> no, I'm not going to cry. I'm just honestly, I'm like thinking about how much bread is out in the world There's right so now. much bread and... and it's so hard. I don't know how you, I mean, you can certainly make bread with a machine. There are bread machines, so you can do that. But still. But even like all the hand-baked breads that if I wanted yeah. to get like a ciabatta bread. All the hand-baked bread that you find in a grocery store in the like, the bread section that's like made fresh daily. Like somebody made that with their hands. Somebody did that today in the back. Se- for, they made several loaves of it for hours. They got here at 4 a.m. and they made 15 loaves of bread and they put them out. And also they made 20 cakes. And also they made 20 cakes and donuts and bagels. <laughs> <laughs> like losing my mind now just thinking about the bread is out in the deep. world. We got too deep. We lost the thread. <laughs> Full disclosure, we're recording this much later than we normally do. Yeah. And I think that it's taken a toll on us. <laughs> but okay, think about, just think about it. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking, it's a lot. It's a lot. There's a lot of bread in the world. <laughs> okay, we have to end the podcast now. What was the lesson, said? <laughs> I don't know. I feel like a couple. Um mm-hmm. I feel like there are always going to be like tough situations and conversations in life. And rather than doing them alone, it's really important to also kind of not lean on others, but, you know, just talk with others about it. And especially if you're in a relationship, because that is a partnership and like going back and forth about things. <laughs> this is a different way of me just saying communication's key, because I could say that every freaking episode. <laughs> but also, like, don't stay in a bad situation when like you know it's not good for you I think is Mm. another key one here because this is a drastic one where he you know quit his job and we we talked about that in length at the beginning but I mean if he didn't do that he would just still be stuck at in the same job and he wouldn't have found 
this job that is already making him and his family a lot happier. And, you know, just don't be there. Just take how they said in the episode, like take a risk. Obviously, I mean, (laughs) if it's not good for you financially, don't, which that's that's sad. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, here's the thing. We live in a capitalist society and they live in a television show. So (laughs) (laughs) it's really easy for them to just quit and figure it out. Quit their job and figure it out. And also they were like. It, they lived in the 90s when you could, like, feasibly save money. <laughs> so, oh, no. you know. But, yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, that's just a, it's a big thing because, I mean, I've definitely had jobs in the past personally where I was like, I don't like this. And I did something about it. And then it led to a different thing that I did end up liking a lot better. But I wouldn't have known that if I would have stayed in that same job. Yeah. And... That's true in like other life things, but because this is about jobs, yeah. <laughs> this is job life. Pursue your passions, but yeah, safely, <laughs> feasibly, <please>. feasibly. <laughs> Don't make reckless decisions, but also pursue your passions. <laughs> it sounds so silly to say <laughs> to not do it that way because I'm like I am so impulsive. Oh no, <laughs> literally, I'm like, what if I wanted to quit my job yesterday? Can I quit? No, I can't. I need health insurance. I what about their health insurance who's to say <laughs> nobody knows non-existent it was the 90s yeah, no man. one got sick <laughs> I don't maybe maybe they just didn't need it I mean it is a tv I doubt show that fully uh, was was we can't do this <laughs> no <laughs> I'm just gonna what? start talking about healthcare in the 90s and like how it was different but simply, we don't have the time. We don't have the time. It's the end of the podcast time. And now it's the end. Hooray. And now we're here and we've done it. Love that. Love that. <laughs> uh, if you'd like to follow us on social media, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at The Lost Years Pod. Uh, we share fun memes. We share when the episode drops. And we also ask what you are nostalgic for. And thank you to everybody who participated in this week because it's fun Yay. to read them again. This last week's question, I said, what was your favorite school item you bought when you went back to school? At Hey Sherry Pan said, when we got to middle school, we had to have big binders or trapper keepers, whatever you want to call them. And getting to pick those out was the best and such a status symbol. Like it set the it set the tone for my whole school year. I had to pick the right one. <laughs> For sure. For sure. Absolutely. This is like also the folder debate whenever everyone's like, what color was your folder for English and math? And what colors are they, Sid? What are yours? All right. We got to do. You brought it up, so we got to do it. Yeah. Uh, English was yellow. Um, (laughs) Math was red. Okay. Uh, Science was green. Okay. Social studies was blue. And why am I forgetting? Am I forgetting one? I don't think so. You said math. Math, English. Math, science, social English, social studies. I feel like there's like a fifth one History, that I just can't studies. think of. I know. It does feel like there's another one. But I think that was... I think there's might be only four. Yeah, that was that was mine. Okay. What were yours? Acceptable. I'll take it. I'll take it. I'll take it. Um, science green. Correct answer. Um, my math... I, be- my, I believe my math was red and my English was blue. Interesting. Yeah. History is purple. Oh. (laughs) Yeah. No yellow? No yellow. If I did have yellow, it was science, but science is green. (laughs) (laughs) So no yellow. (laughs) So no yellow. Huh. Okay. 
Yeah, this is just funny because everybody seems to be like, no, this was the right way to do it. And then everyone yeah, else yeah, is yeah. like, no, this was the right way to do it. If science was not green, I was going to start a fight with you. <laughs> no, science had to be green because green is Science earth. had to be green. <laughs> exactly. Green is earth. Earth is green. That's what I meant to exactly. say. Uh, exactly. Yeah, love that. I love green that math earth. was red. Math was red because it was hard, <laughs> mm-hmm. which is my mm-hmm. mentality with it. Math is red because stop. <laughs> <laughs> stop doing it, please. I don't stop, like that. Stop doing that. Yeah, at Cal's Calzones, Fright of the Pod. Fright of the Pod, I forgot. I'm going to do that all of October now. Yeah, it's Halloween. (laughs) Uh, Getting a kick-ass backpack every year was always a must. One year, I got one that had a Crazy Frog sound box in it, and my teacher hated it. (laughs) Yeah, man, what do you mean? I would, too. That's all horrible. As I'm glad you had I, fun. As much as I loved Crazy Frog, no. No. <laughs> Red means stop. <laughs> I'm not doing it. But I agree oh, with the God. backpack. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Backpack's a good one. For sure, for sure. Uh, at Checks926 said, tablets and folders. I loved me some Lisa Frank. I remember getting college-ruled notebooks and feeling so grown up. There's something about the college-ruled specific yeah. notebooks. College-ruled were important. Oh, you ever get the notebooks that had like the perforated pages too? So you oh. could just like easily rip it out. And it didn't just oh. have to have all the frays on the side. That was yes. my favorite. <laughs> the best. I I loved, I figured out college ruled notebooks in, I want to say fourth grade. Mm-hmm. Because that's when we started writing like aggressively. Yeah. And I remember I had wide ruled paper. And I was like, I one of my friends had really good handwriting. And I was like, I want to write like you. Why can't I write better? And she's like, okay, your first problem wide ruled notebooks you gotta get college ruled and i was like okay interesting game changer changer. because it it made your it forced your writing to be smaller right when you were wide ruled you're filling up lines yeah so yeah man college ruled is really that's a game changer for sure yeah i loved it uh and then at Catherine o'clock said i always loved those fancy pencil cases with a built-in sharpener and lots of little buttons and compartments practical they were not but wow were they ever fun (laughs) pencil cases are my whole entire my pencil case i had i think i had two or three like this but i did have one with a built-in sharpener for a little bit Mm -hmm. and then i also had the one that had uh the pocket on the front for your calculator and then three slots for like pencils so i always had a pencil a pen and then like some sort of colored like pen or highlighter or something would go in there yeah i love i love i love a good pencil holder so good I love so good. There was such a transition, at least in my life, where in elementary school and like partway through middle school, I had a pencil box, like the actual Mm. foldable box. Oh my God, yeah. And then I (gasps) had to change then to pencil pouches because I was like, these are more adult. (laughs) And you can have mm -hmm. more individuality with them because some of them were like the little tubes of sorts that you could just throw everything in. But then when it got to the zip up ones it was like oh this is legit the ones that could like go into your binder and get yeah that had the rings yeah beautiful do you remember did you ever do um with the hard cover like pencil holders that you were talking about did you ever put glue in the top of it and then make a bookmark no oh my god we did this so (laughs) oh my god we did this so often you so the whatever that brand of pencil holder that was like that hard plastic yeah. Let me know, like, hit me up on Twitter if any of you ever did this, because it's like, it was one of my, you said that, and it was like, oh, a memory. Um, we would color, <laughs> we would color the, like, there was, like, a little gap on the front that had, like, the brand in it, and it was mm-hmm. literally the perfect size for a bookmark. We would color it with, like, markers, 
and then fill it with glue and then just sit it in our desk and let it dry for like days. And so you would just like not pull like all the things you couldn't open it right while it was glued. So you would take everything out, but you would let it dry overnight or for days or whatever. And then you'd come back and you'd peel it off. And it was just like a wiggly piece of like glue that you could use as like a, uh, as like a a bookmark or just like have, and it was like colorful because you made colors on so cool. And we did this so often when I was in grade school. I love that. Yeah. Look at that, like, ingenuity being a child and being like, I'm going to make a bookmark. (laughs) I mean, it was a massive waste of glue, but... (laughs) Yeah, but... But... So, you know, another waste of glue was everybody just putting it on their hands and then peeling it off, so... So true, Bestie. (laughs) Elmer's had a weird hold on everybody, and we just decided to make crafts and, you know, have have good hands... Nope, I'm not going to say that. (laughs) (laughs) There's something like Elmer's, though. Elmer's really nothing like it. Elmer's really changed the game when it came to glue. <laughs> That's nothing. <laughs> Big glue guys. <laughs> the glue guys, man. They really did it. I I pitched this question and I was trying to think of what I like my must have back to school item was. Mm-hmm. It's just hard because I loved the entire experience of going back to school shopping. For sure. Like having a list and it being Checking. like and check Checking it off, off and check it off so good and every single store being like here's our whole back to school mm-hmm. section and i was like "Ooh, give me all of it i guess it doesn't count but my favorite item not that i bought uh but back to school item was whenever my school started giving out planners oh, and yeah. they were like the school branded planners I and planner. i thought those were so cool yeah because it was one a planner which i have i literally went to target to go buy one today because i needed it yeah i bought one yesterday for the same reason (laughs) i was like my life is not together i need a calendar (laughs) i love how in the span of like 24 hours that we did the same exact thing of like no my life is not together right now yeah I (laughs) i ordered it on monday from amazon and i got here yesterday that's amazing but the school branded calendar uh like planners specifically because they would always I don't know if your school did this but they had like all of the important days of the school year throughout and I thought that was so neat whenever I got to middle school and they gave us those because it was like yeah we have finals are these days and the breaks are this day and I was like this is whoever put this together is amazing genius (laughs) I folded there was one year that I folded all of the pages of mine like inward back and forth So that they created like an indent triangle for days that were finished. And I loved that. But then it made my planner like really, really fat. So I had to stop doing that. And I started ripping pages out instead. Like the following year, I just ripped pages out. I started ripping pages out. And then when I got to the end of the year, it was like the tiniest little planner. And it felt really cool to be like, I'm done. (laughs) I'm done. I don't need it anymore. Oh, man, that really awake. I loved that. It would be funny. I wish I kind of would have kept those instead of throwing kept those away them. because then I would have seen what I was writing. Um, yeah, totally. Because I still have some of my planners, but I go back and I'm like, what was I doing? <laughs> <laughs> like even from a few years ago or like in college and yeah. it's memories, man. Memories. <laughs> <laughs> we gotta be done. <laughs> we gotta be done. Was that the last one? It was. Amazing. And that being said, I do have a new question uh, that I'm going Yay. to throw on Twitter and Instagram for anybody to. I didn't even do it on Instagram. I'm just going to say Twitter. Okay. Um, I mean, you could put it on Instagram, but then it's like things you have to look for. It's more work. <laughs> it's more work. You're absolutely right. Yeah. If you head over to our Twitter, I will pitch this question for everybody to answer. Uh, but I want to know what was the song at your school dances that got you to the dance floor? 
Wow. This is a game I can't play. <laughs> I know. I'm ready. <laughs> I mean, it could apply to, let's say, college or anything as well. I'll think about the one dance. I went to prom my senior year. So I'll think about that one. One was planned in 2012. That's the thing. I'm like, what What was? What stands out in your mind as being yeah. the, the one? <laughs> yeah. It's a good one. So, oh, I went to one eighth grade dance. You can play. <laughs> I forgot about that. I totally well because it was like a whole debacle because I wanted to go. It was after school. My dad basically was like, I will pick you up late and we won't tell your mom that you're going so you can go to this dance because I really, really wanted to go. That um, is awesome. Yeah, it was nice of him. Um <laughs> But yeah, so I'll think about that. I had one eighth grade dance and one senior dance, and I will play in the space. Okay. Great question. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, you can also email us the answer to that question at thelashyspot at gmail.com. We might read your email on the show. Um, you can rate us and write a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Good Pods, and subscribe on all three of those places wherever you get podcasts. It really helps us out and helps people find the show. And it's nice. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you to the Scavengers Network for having us on the network. You can check out other cool shows like Blink and You'll Miss It and Side Character Quest on www.scavengersnetwork.com. I was going to say .com and then I didn't say it. And then I felt weird about the big silence that I left after you said .com. Still can now. .com. (laughs) (laughs) Amazing. Our personal handles are in our show handles. Uh, but if you want to find me, I'm manifesting. Twitch.tv slash it's And if I haven't streamed, I have a lot of cool clips that you can go watch that are pretty funny. So that's something. And one day I will be streaming Fortnite. It's the only thing I want to play right now. So it, it will be Fortnite. Um, yeah. Love it. <laughs> Always about Fortnite. It's I just I want to play so bad. So we have to end the podcast so I can go play Fortnite. <laughs> you can find me on TikTok at Sudsley. Um posting fairly regularly these days this is true it's just fun okay well this is the end we have to stop talking now because we're losing our minds so it's been an hour and a half it has been an hour and a half we really have to stop until next time your tay your sid just like it's always been what else do you need to know goodbye fam bye the scavengers network creator driven community focused Treasured content.